welcome to Safe Radio, offering hope, health, and healing in these challenging times. My name is Ann Bergen, co-host of this series of broadcasts, joined by Jim Derrick, co-host and producer of all of our programs. Jim is a founding member of the Safe Coalition, a grassroots organization serving many communities in support of individuals and families living with the struggles associated with mental health, including substance misuse and domestic violence. Jim has courageously shared the story of the recent death of his son to an accidental overdose. Jim learned the hard way that one can't fix or heal our loved ones who struggle with the disease of substance misuse. But with support, family members can heal themselves and then be in a position to be there for our loved ones in the right way. To that end, Jim has created Through Safe a Family Support Center, offering hope, health, and healing to family members who get drawn into the battle with not enough tools to deal with the pain and anguish that seems to always accompany substance misuse. For me, as an educator, I have long been interested in early intervention and prevention for issues regarding emotional and behavioral health. I have lost so many students over the years to overdose, suicide, and seen way too many veer off the paths of fulfilling and satisfying lives. We do know that too many tried to ease the pain associated with deep emotional wounds by choosing temporary solutions that end up having negative consequences. Some choose alcohol, some choose prescription drugs, some cut, some overeat, some spend mindless hours on screen time, and way too many find life too painful to carry on and end their lives. Nearly 50% of Americans live with some form of addiction, and it's probably higher rates now given the toll social media is taking in our lives. SAFE is committed to erasing the stigma that so long has prevented people from seeking help, especially our boys and men. I think this quote from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous helps us better understand the nature of addiction and attempts to address the stigma that stems from lack of information and too often a lack of compassion. And here it is. If a person has cancer, we are all sorry for him and no one is angry or hurt, but not so with the alcoholic illness, for with it goes annihilation of all the things worthwhile in life. It engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferer. AA does not seek to put the blame on others or ask sufferers to not take responsibility, in fact, quite the opposite but stresses that alcoholism is not a character flaw or a moral failing. It is an illness that takes such work and courage to confront. Finally, someone once described living with substance misuse to a descent into hell, but says there is a way out. There are hands ready to reach out and gently pull the sufferer out and into the warmth and safety of friendship and fellowship. It is about the courage to take the extended hand and finally say, I'm ready to leave hell behind. Our guest today, by willing to share his story, has become one of those compassionate hands, ready to let others know you are not alone. We can and will support one another. So Jim and I are so happy to welcome you, Mike, here today. And um, and it does, and it takes courage to, to talk about... Um, our story to share the stories, but it makes such a difference, right, Jim? I it mean, sure you've, you've been involved in this for a long time, and when people come here and do this, yeah, they, we all often talk about addiction as being an illness of 
isolation. And the anecdote to that is is connection. And um, you know, the fellowship that that arises around recovery yeah. is is the way people do recover. In right. fact, it's the centerpiece of it. So right. connection's important. Yeah. And uh, Mike, your courage and your willingness to be here today is so appreciated. Yeah. One of the things I was going to ask and start off, and if you know, is the idea that. <laughs> One doesn't just wake up one day and become a, a substance misuser. There's a path and there's a journey. And I don't know, Mike, if you're willing maybe to share a bit of your story about sort of like starting back, um, you know, sometimes sometimes substance misuse starts with um, even with medication one takes for learning issues or and, and things like that. And then it gradually goes along. And can you can you kind of go back and as much as you're willing or want to share about that journey that got you to where you are today or where you were before you entered recovery, can you speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so at an early age, you know, I was diagnosed with uh, AD, ADHD, ADD, um, and I was prescribed um, Ritalin. Uh, just to help me learn, stay focused, everything like that. Uh, but the Ritalin actually gave me two too much energy mm-hmm. um, and then I needed sleeping pills to uh, calm down at night uh, for some reason uh, I don't know if, if you know I was obviously born an addict so I would I would take those uh, mm-hmm. sleeping pills and I would break them apart and then I would snort the pills mm-hmm. um, it was dangerous you know because you're you're fighting staying awake or I, I was trying to fight staying awake and, and not sleeping, but causing myself to, you know, basically fall over and pass out due to, you know, because the sleeping pills were working. But the, the addiction didn't stop there. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I quickly found marijuana when I was about 14. Um, I would... I would smoke that after school, before school, and it just became a vicious cycle. Uh, for me, alcohol didn't really come into play uh, until much later, like in college years. Uh, but that was just as bad, you know. There's no off switch when it comes to to drinking with me. Mm-hmm. There's there's no off switch at all, you know. I just want to continue doing it, and that was my downfall, you know. It's Nobody could tell me no, you know, it was, it was what Mike wanted to do and, and that's what I did. You know, I, I would drink, I would smoke, I would just try and get um, not in the place where I wanted to be. You know, I wanted to be somewhere else. When did, when did you start to see some of like the negative consequences of it? When, in what ways did it start to impact uh, y- your life in ways that well, just... Well, my schooling yeah. went down almost yeah. instantly. Yeah. You know, I wasn't focused at school, you know, I was... You know, just wanted to go outside on on uh, lunch break and smoke cigarettes or anything. You know, if whether it was nicotine addiction, alcohol addiction, marijuana addiction, it was just it was in my face all the time, yeah. and it was right there, easy access. You know, and and you know that's how we lived. And I guess you know my sure. group of friends were. That's just what we did. So you so you had a you had a group of friends that obviously so this is your your group so that right. you all supported each other in this and but then of course while you're doing all this you're not thinking about Hamlet or going on to college or so in that way it already your path is you, the you know is you're veering off right there right. and as soon as I was in college you know uh, I was 
just off and running you know i was with the the bad crowd we we're smoking we we're drinking you know we we're just doing anything we can do to get and not go to school yeah you yeah. know so i missed classes i i didn't take anything serious you know i got arrested my fourth day of college you know just it wasn't good you know it was it was a waste of money and um a waste of time you know i i could have easily got myself in a better position than I am today yeah. had I had I just focused and and not gone down the, the the path that I did yeah so so in terms of I guess I'm guess what I'm wondering is at one at one time at one point you decided enough is enough and you said I can't do this anymore and you, you decided no more what at what point did you make that decision when was it that you finally said i can't do this anymore well it was about after a good 20 25 year run of um you know drinking and and uh and just going downhill you know it was uh, i was facing my third offense dui um i had no other resorts to go i i had to choose <laughs> rehab um so i could you know stay with my daughter you know my daughter was born and she needed her father and uh i needed to make some serious life changes yeah uh the path i was on you know drinking every day was just you know covid really didn't help of course mm. it didn't <laughs> it really it really didn't you know just it had me at home drinking all the time and I was just being irresponsible um, and I needed to get my life back in order, you know. Um, so I, I decided to take the leap. I went to the New England Recovery Center in Westboro. And Tell us a little bit about that journey when you went to the New England, what that was like. How long were you there? And I, I was there for 30 days. Yeah. I went for the 30-day program. Um, and I fully embraced the program. You know, when I got there, I said, all right, enough is enough. Everything I've done so far has not been the right path. I need to I need to make a change to make my life better for myself, my daughter, and everybody else around me, yeah. you know? My family suffered, you know? Everybody suffered when I wasn't around, and it, but I was doing it for me. You know, I stopped and I said, this is this is the time where Mike needs to make this change, you know. So, in listening to the counselors, uh, just being in being in uh, rehab with all these other people, also looking for help, it makes you that much stronger to get by, to live, and to and to really just just focus on on making yourself a better person. Uh, and to, to beat the addiction, you know, why, why should I, my life be controlled by a bottle of booze? You know, why should I have that? You know, I don't want to be controlled by a, a, a liquid, a, a product, anything. You know, I want to live how I want to live, and I want to live clean and sober. And that's what I'm doing these days. Mm -hmm. you, know? you know, Mike, I hear you. Uh, thank you for that. I hear you talking about um, the disease of alcoholism, but I hear you. Um, I haven't heard you say that use the word disease. And I hear you taking personal responsibility for for all of your drinking and drugging, including mm -hmm. as, as a young man. And that's interesting to me. Um, uh, I think we both agree this is an illness. Oh, 100 percent. But what a 
Con, what a yeah. what a baffling illness it is because, um, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but as I listen to you speak, there there aren't many other illnesses out there where you would take personal responsibility for the illness mm-hmm. and agree that it's an illness. If you have cancer, diabetes, there is no pathway to saying, gee, you know, I caused this. Maybe type 2 diabetes, you could exactly, argue you right. eat yourself into it. But even that, people aren't taking personal responsibility. Can you talk a little bit about your feeling about uh, this disease mm-hmm. and personal responsibility? Absolutely. That's a great question, Jim. Now, <clears throat> as we know, alcoholism, drug use, it is a disease. It's a, it's a disease of your brain that you're basically, you're in shackles. You know, and how are you going to break free from these shackles? You know, that's this disease will take over anybody, you know, but some people are born with it. You know, I I guarantee I was born with this mm. disease. You know, it's in it's in my blood. It's just a part of my life. You know, when I was in my teens, you know, all I thought about was was um, was getting messed up. You know, yeah, on yeah. on some kind of substance. It didn't. I didn't care what it was. I've tried everything. It didn't matter. But that's the disease. And the disease is telling me that I need these things. You know, I need this alcohol in my life. And that you can't stop once you start. I can't. Yeah. Once I start, <laughs> yeah, there's no stopping at that point. You know. But that's just the disease telling you. You know. Oh, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You know, even when I was trying to quit drinking, I, I said, all right, well, you know, if, if this bourbon's really, you know, knocking me, why don't I just go back to some beers, you know? Yeah. And all right, well, Budweiser's a little too heavy when I do Bud Light. But it's, it's, it doesn't matter what it is. It's still going to consume you, you know? It, and, and the disease consumes your life, you know? And, and the, the problem is, is that it's so accessible, you know, you can go walk down the street and you probably walk by three or four liquor stores. You know, it's it, now with the, the pot shops these days, they're, they're accessible. Yes, you know, people can do it. You know, that's what they're there for. But people with the mm-hmm. disease, it's not the same as a regular person drinking, mm-hmm. a regular person smoking. You know, when you have alcoholism or if you have addiction in your life, it's going to consume you because of the disease. The power that you have is in making the choice to say today is the day, today, literally right now at whatever time it is today on a Monday, I am sober and I'm going to stay sober That's right. for the next minute. And then I'm going to go on. And so you, the tools that you employ, that you learned in recovery, that you learned from whatever recovery program you're in, that's the choice you have. Correct. And and that's really what you're talking about. And I find that yeah. it it um, <clears throat> the confusing part for parents. And now I'm speaking directly to parents as one, yes. as a parent who went through this. First of all, I, I assume when my son went off to rehab, 30 days later he'd come back sober. Okay, you send them off to Dana Farber, they go through their chemo, they come back cancer free, hopefully, and you go back about your life. I assume that was the process. Yeah, it sounds incredibly naive but remember when parents are faced with a loved one or a son or a daughter that are in this kind of trouble you are so desperate for things to get better that you'll literally i don't want to say believe anything but you you really lean into that what i missed in that whole thing is what mike just said and you said it beautifully when you went to new england recovery center you were in control you said 
I'm done. It was your internal willingness. It was your internal voice that was saying, it's time for me to get well. Absent of that, you can send someone to any recovery center in the world, spend gobs of money on it. And without that internal willingness that Mike just mentioned, you don't have a snowball's chance and you know what to get them out. You do not have that chance to even get better if if you're not willing to change. And so for the parents out there, I just want to make that point. Um, I didn't listen. And we spent a lot of money yeah. on recovery centers, which love we love our son dearly. There isn't anything I wouldn't have done for him. But that, and he would tell me, he would push back and say, Dad, I wouldn't do this if I were you. Yeah. And what he was really saying was, I'm not done yet. Yeah, yeah I'm not ready. You know, yeah. so I really appreciate you giving us that window in because for the average person, it's very, very difficult to understand. Yeah. And I, what I wanted to ask about, too, my, is, is once you left recovery, um, the recovery, um, you know, facility, then you became part of um, AA, became part of your life as Alcoholics Anonymous. Is, can you can you speak to us about um, that, um, how you found your way there and how um, impactful that has been on your life in terms of being part of that AA community? Can you speak about that? And yeah. It isn't the path everyone takes, but for you, it's been... It's been a lifesaver. It's hasn't been it? great. You yeah. know, I work a lot with uh, Chris's Corner uh, Recovery Center in Milford. Uh, they had, I've talked to them. I have a recovery coach. You know, they're great people over there, and they, they know that we have a disease. They know that there is a solution, but if you're willing and you're ready, you know that's that's also very important because you have to be ready. Mm-hmm. A lot of people aren't. A lot of people do. You know, and we're human, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> people take back steps all the time. You know, there's I've seen people in the, the year and a half of my recovery get up, stand up and get that 24 hour chip, you know, that they've gotten it before. I've yeah. seen it. You know, we're human. We make mistakes. Some people take back steps. But to admit that that you're you're willing to change and. You can stand up in front of these people, you know, knowing that that you had just had nine months or whatever, and and you're going back, and you're standing up, and you're getting that 24-hour trip mm-hmm. because something happened, you know, but it's the willingness that you you're you know that you have a problem and that you want to change, and you can walk back into those doors unashamed, you know, it's 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 powerful yeah you know just to be in the room with all these wonderful people that you never thought you'd meet but now you know them you know and you know them by name you you see them out and about you see them at the meetings and you feel that comfortability of being in a in a room with like-minded people it's interesting when you say that. I think back to like you was that when you were in high school and you had a group of people that that was your group. You found camaraderie and connection with everyone, and now you found a whole another group yeah. of people that are on the same path as you yeah. that want to heal and be strong. And yeah, yeah, a connection again back to the fellowship. Yeah. It really is inspiring. And I've been to a number of open AA meetings with friends that are in recovery, and I remember sitting in one in particular in Millis about nine o'clock in the morning on a Sunday thinking to myself, and this was during COVID, it was during a particularly bad political climate. And I thought, if the world knew what went on, the average person inside of these halls, people would be a lot more optimistic. Uh, yeah, people would be a lot more optimistic about 
this world, about humankind, because the love, the connection, yeah. the camaraderie, and um, the fact that, you know, people in AA take responsibility for their actions. This is another misnomer, right, Mike? That's right. I mean, it's an important part of the process. Right. Yep. You got to admit, you know, you got you to just give everything that you've done and give it over to the God and, or your higher power that... You know, this is these are my downfalls. This is the mistakes I've made, you know, and express that, you right. know, express it to. But in doing you know, that, fellow. you find you find that everybody is transparent with their mistakes. And you say, my God, I'm not alone. Yep. I was beating myself up for this for so long. Put it behind me, you know. So I was reading. And it works. Yeah, I was reading somewhere where um, and I know this to be true with other areas of mental health and um, is the idea that once things like shame and guilt and fear uh, go away, are relieved, all of a sudden there's room, there's space in your heart for a lot of other emotions that are so healthy and strong. And one of the questions I was going to ask you, Mike, is the biggest change that you've seen in you in going through and spending so much time with this fellowship in, in, in AA and what's, what's been the biggest change maybe internally in you, you know, how you view the world or, uh, can you speak a little bit about that? It's like, I got a second chance at life. (laughs) You know, it, it really is. It's, it's something that's amazing that I'm, I'm proud to be a part of the, to the AA community knowing that, you know, I'm there to listen. I'm there to help. I'm there to share my story, share my experience, uh, and, and hone in on, on, and, and getting that, it's a, it's literally a relief. It relief, yeah. It is a relief to to just get that that camaraderie from the, these these people that are all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. Because you're isolated yeah. when you're actively using, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people drink by themselves. They'll they'll do drugs by themselves because they're ashamed. Right. You know. They're, right. They're hiding out their their own self because they're ashamed to be around other people. I was wondering too about just having known you and, and watching how you've grown and changed things like that. But how how are you different as a dad now as a result? Oh, of, I'm when you think much about more patient, right? Right. <laughs> you know, I can get up in the morning. I can make breakfast. You know, at eight o'clock in the morning, and I'm not hungover. Is amazing you know just to be able to be up and and not want to just you're present for this beautiful little girl yeah 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 she's got her dad but when you think about the negative consequences of of substance misuse and and all that it's it's the toll it takes though on on those we love you know and especially our children you know because they are they're you know you know there's another um uh thing that i'd like to unbundle mike and and uh, you know as a parent uh speaking to other parents out there what part of your recovery is your mom or any other person responsible for right now? My recovery? Yeah. My mom has been supportive mm-hmm. uh, in my recovery, but it's it's up to me to, to make the changes of yeah. my life. You know? It was kind of a loaded question. Thank you for that. Yeah. A lot of us mi- mistakenly feel that there's something we could do to get somebody like Mike to the point he was at New England Recovery Center. There's something we can say or do, and, and that's not the case, is it's it, Mike? not. You have to be ready on your own. Yeah. You know, you can't force anybody into recovery. Mm-hmm. You 
they have to be willing and they have to they have to be ready. Yeah. I think one of the sadder things that I that I see is just the broken hearts on family members who like me and mm-hmm. I did this for 15 years and out of those 15 years 11 of them were spent thinking I could control something to do with with Jack and and fix him and um and that inc- and I was already in Al-Anon and other 12-step programs trying to manage those emotions but that was my addiction. My addiction was to his recovery. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I, I literally lost my mind along the way. Yeah. And it wasn't Jack's fault. It was just part, that's part of this illness. It, it kind of pulls other people in. It's almost like a hostage crisis, you know? Right. Um, but uh, what I did learn was there was absolutely nothing I could do or say to make him get into, start, and maintain his recovery. It was all on him. And it was so hard to understand why he couldn't see what he was putting into his body was killing him, you know? Because that's a disease. That's the that's disease, The disease right? is telling you that these are the things you need. You need this drug. You need this hit. You need and this. that you can control it tomorrow, right? Right. We might have had a bad day today, but... You think you can. Like you said, I shift from hard liquor to, yeah, to, to beer. beer. Whatever. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. You know? Yeah, which sounds crazy to, to us. Yeah. But but that's why it's a disease. Um and um and a very, very tough foe to say the least. And so many people I've heard, you know, say Oh, I can do it on my own. I can handle this, you know. Um I can you know, don't worry about me. I can handle this. This is okay. I'll I'll take care of it. I don't need any help. Yeah. But that's the biggest mistake, isn't it? That is the biggest mistake. <laughs> do you have yeah. any advice, Mike? from your vantage point for uh, people listening? Let's say there's somebody out there listening today that hasn't made that decision yet, um, that hasn't gone to their knees and said, this is the day I stop. Um, is there anything you'd tell someone who who maybe like you needed some words of encouragement? If you feel like you have a problem, you know, and and it's already in the back of your mind. You know, I have an issue. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. There are people. There are. There's plenty of places to go. There's AA meetings everywhere. There's there's recovery mm-hmm. centers. You know, s- speak up. You know, anybody anybody's willing to listen. Anybody's willing to help. You know, it's it's not an easy path to go down. It's it's not an easy thing to admit. You know, especially when you have a problem. But if you know that you have a problem and you're willing to stop, get some help. You know, find somebody that that's been through the program. Find somebody that that is an AA. You know, and and get that help. You know, we are out there. You know, and once you're in the program in AA in particular, which is one that I can speak to directly, you're never alone again. Yeah, you can be anywhere in the world, walk into an AA meeting, identify so yourself that, as an alcoholic true, yeah. addict. And you've got a community, don't you, Mike? That's right. Everybody's you've got all the help you need. I do want to give a couple of phone numbers. The Safe Coalition Resource Line, and this is a line that you can call, anybody can call, whether you need recovery yourself, whether you're a family member that would like some help, or if you just like more information about mental illness or substance abuse, whether you want to start on your road to recovery, uh, you will get a call back within 48 hours. And the number is 508 488 8105. Another resource that you can look to is Turning Point Recovery Center. Mike just mentioned recovery centers, and recovery centers in are just mm-hmm. wonderful yeah. places. We have another podcast with Turning Point, I believe, 
we had, did we have them in here? I'll I edit this did, out. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> Turning Point Recovery Center and Turning Point is open uh, five days a week at least, sometimes six days a week. They're right in Walpole Center, and they uh, it is an open community where you can walk in any time of the day and just find other people like you, right? Yep. And if you feel like you're going to drink in that particular day or you feel like you need some extra support or you want to help out. Yeah. Volunteer, the 12th step, being of service is a That's very right. important part of recovery. Mm-hmm. Then give Turning Point a call. Uh, Turning Point Recovery Center, 508 668 3960. And um, you'll find someone who's ready and willing to talk to you and welcome you and usher you in. There's uh, Chris's Corner here in Milford. So there's a lot yeah. of uh, community that will support you. And, and I'm, I'm looking at Mike's eyes light up every yeah. time we talk about yeah. this. This was key to you, isn't it? And is key to you. I keep saying was. This is key to yep. you, and that's the connection, right? Exactly. Um, you know, if you have a bad day, I assume you can. You're within ten minutes of getting help. Yep. I can just make a quick phone call. You know, if I'm struggling, I can call my sponsor. I can call up Chris's corner. I can just get the help that I need. Mm-hmm. You know. Right can I then. ask one more? I want to ask one more, just fun school question, because that's you know school. Anyway. I, here's my question, is when you were, and, and again, this isn't blaming anyone and all, but when you were just sort of, I know how smart you are, and here you are in school, and you're, you've kind of given up at school, you're, you're, you're spending your life using substances and not, you know, reading Hamlet and all those things. Did anybody pick up on that as any of, of the teachers along the way and, and take you aside and said, Mike, what's going on? Did anyone talk to you about that or see that... Unfortunately, no. Yeah. Um, uh, we we're in a big group of you know we had a big class in uh, yeah. the high school, so you know individualized. You know, I don't think they they reached out to me personally. You know, I was just curious. It just because you know it's. Did they have the K wing back then? Yeah. <laughs> my oh, son, my son was in the K wing, and uh, that was like tracking. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, of course. Um, just, yeah. just a place to warehouse people to move them along, yeah. and 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 the the good news is that we've changed that we've right changed. here in it Franklin. But, yes. but my my big thing is that before kids can learn at all, I don't care who they are, whether they have substances or not, they have to know that that they're seen, right. that they're visible, that people care about them and um, want to know them and mm-hmm. want to create places. And this is this is what schools need to be. And this is but my big mission is that there are just too many kids out there that aren't being seen um, because we've, we're focusing so much on college acceptance and, you know, SAT scores, and we're forgetting the souls of kids that are in front of us. And I think that's the message I want to get out. And one other one, I'm just curious if there were people, though, along the way that teachers maybe that made a difference that did see you. Can you speak about that, the difference that made in your life when there was someone who saw you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I was when I was in high school, you know, my teacher, Mrs. Waters, actually was um, she was a big advocate of me speaking um, in front of people. Uh, she wanted me to speak clearly, which sometimes is difficult mm-hmm. having ADD. You know, sometimes I get tripped up on my words. But she wanted to m- make sure that I was enunciating. She had me read a, a speech in front of the whole school. Building confidence. Yeah, building confidence. And, yes, exactly. And, and getting, getting the message that, you know, out there, yeah. I guess. Yeah, good. 
Good. No, that's good because that was my big thing. I just think schools need to take a different shift here because we're just losing way too many kids in in different ways. So, mm. but I want to also. I just want to thank Mike for being here and being willing to share his story. And I just feel, I have to say, I mean, I just feel such a sense of pride in just um, having known Mike um, for so long and just seeing his wisdom, his maturity, his growth, and what a great dad he is. And it yeah. just makes me proud. That's I, all. I want to match you on that. Yeah. I mean, we we are in this business a lot there's a lot of recovery happening and unfortunately there are people still struggling but uh, mike thank you so much for your willingness to Thanks share for having me for your courage and continued best wishes for your success and so for our guest mike and my co-host, Dr. Ann Bergen, my name is Jim Derrick, saying thanks for listening to Safe Radio, and we will see you next week. 